On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. We just uh, always have to tell our story about what this collectively is for benefiting what we feel is every citizen of the state in some positive way. It's one of Iowa's largest employers with tremendous charitable impact on communities. But casinos are now closed for health reasons. We'll hear more. Just when we thought many impediments to Iowa's ag markets had been removed, the global pandemic has presented new challenges. And an update on how the Iowa business community is responding in this time of uncertainty, with safety being the overriding consideration. This is the Iowa Business Report for the second weekend of April 2020. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry has been the voice of Iowa business since 1903. Learn more online at iowaabi.org. Here is Jeff Stein. Legalized gaming in Iowa is not even 30 years old. The first modern-era riverboat gambling law was passed in Iowa in 1989, and the first wagers were made on April 1, 1991. Not long after, casino gaming was allowed at Iowa's racetracks, and within the past year, Iowa law permitted wagering on sports. But like so many businesses, Iowa's gaming industry is shut down due to the novel coronavirus. And as I learned from Wes Ericke, president of the Iowa Gaming Association, the impact of that shutdown will be felt by more than the owners of the casinos themselves. And we're the uh, trade association that represents the 19 commercial casinos in Iowa and certainly advocating for the many benefits that they uh, provide to not only their community, to the region, and to the state. We're a $1 billion annual economic impact uh, when you... uh, tie in uh, the 8,800 jobs, uh, the wages and benefits from that, the buying of Iowa-based products and services, uh, well over $250 million a year. Charitable contributions is so significant that's touching every citizen in the state, about $90 million, and then certainly the taxes that we pay, that the legislators uh, have a lot of visionary uh, projects that they're spent on, plus the county and the cities where casinos are located. So Uh, We're a pretty viable part of Iowa's economy and adding value to the state's entertainment and tourism industry right up until about March, uh, you know, 15th or so and 17th when, like every other business uh, that uh, needed to be uh, closed to uh, get uh, this uh, pandemic corralled and the community spread uh, stopped. So, but uh, we were very involved with the legislative uh, efforts and the regulatory and also just uh, public relations, just to advocate about what a a dynamic industry this is for the state. So again, you do not represent any specific casino. You're the trade group representing all of Iowa's casinos, not including tribal casinos. That is correct. We do not represent the uh, the four tribal casinos in the state, nor the the lottery. It's just 19 commercial casinos, state regulated. Focus, if you will, for a moment on the charitable contributions that are made, because that really is a staggering number. That is correct. There's two components of our charitable uh, uh, and efforts. Every uh, where every casino has a partner, if you will, a qualified sponsoring organization that they provide a certain percentage of their adjusted gross revenue to that QSO, who in turn has its own separate board of directors, establishes the criteria what they feel is the best uh, uh, ways to uh, provide those uh, grant dollars. 
they do a great job. And that is uh, throughout the state, wherever there's a casino located. Uh, also, the legislature 15 years ago had the uh, vision to have established the Qualified Community County Foundation Program, where every non-casino county uh, receives approximately $135,000 a year. 25% of that must be put into a permanent endowment, which has been growing, uh, that they can use the interest off of that. And the remainder, approximately 100 and some thousand, would be then used in grants. Uh, separate board of directors for each of those uh, 84, 85 uh, non-casino counties, they've uh, been doing a, a great job of finding um, initiatives that are very beneficial to their respective county. They will oftentimes then tie in with the QSOs in those uh, contiguous counties around where the casinos are located for even bigger projects that might benefit within that, that area. So it was over $90 million uh, last year that was com- provided in, in uh, charitable contributions. Many, many great uh, projects. As you mentioned, it's now been a few weeks that, by the order of the governor, various entities were closed. That included the casinos. But for those casinos that have the sports book operation, they're able to do online wagering. How many casinos have the sports book of your membership? And talk a bit about the fact that individuals, even in an era when we do not have live games or casinos open to the public, they can still place legal wagers. Yeah, so 18 of the 19 casinos currently have their uh, retail um, a, a sports book operation uh, up and going. Uh, one is uh, we'll, we'll probably get that going here, but uh, with the recent uh, closures that, that it kind of uh, put that on hold a bit. Uh, I think I believe now 15 of the 19 have their uh, mobile operate uh, app um, is tied in with the retail where someone can place a bet from anywhere within the state if they establish an account uh, with that uh, particular uh, casino. One of the companies that, that does the sports books in Iowa is the William Hill Company, and they do the Isle and Waterloo and, and others, and they've been sending out news releases saying to people, you know, we're taking bets on uh, who will go first in the NFL draft and uh, a variety of other things that are sports-related. For those casinos that have the mobile operation, they're still offering something, but as you noted, it, it's a fraction of what it has been, obviously. Yeah, there there are those limited opportunities and even some sporting events and in different parts of the, the world that have seen some of those similar news updates that, that, uh, that are available. Sure, people are taking advantage of at least looking at those, but it's certainly nothing like the uh, the pro and the collegiate football season that we had uh, recently, and even what we uh, were anticipating to be a very exciting first time to uh, have people uh, legally wager on on the March Madness, and all that uh, obviously uh, you know came to a came to a halt, and we'll just hopefully get things back up and going here by this fall, so there'll be baseball season and and tennis and other things, but. Uh, but it, it, it's been very exciting. It's been just another added entertainment amenity for those who love to uh, watch sports and uh, wager on sports. And we've seen a, a great deal of interest in, in, in all the casinos and, and throughout the states, both the in-casino retail, uh, where they place a wager in the casino, or through their mobile apps. What is the thing that people misunderstand about the gaming industry in Iowa? I know you meet with various groups, you meet with individuals. When you go up to someone and, and meet them for the first time and tell them what you do for a living, what is the thing that they just don't accurately understand? 
I think they uh, maybe don't understand or appreciate just what the casinos are for their community. Not everybody uh, believes that uh, gambling, if you will, is is an acceptable form of entertainment for themselves or for others. But we do know that 82-plus percent do believe that it is acceptable. Uh, But beyond that, that we are not just a a gaming floor and gambling games. Uh, These casinos are premier entertainment destinations. They have uh, most have hotels. They have concert and meeting space that oftentimes is the the most sought after within their their communities. Used for a whole variety of things, from family reunions and weddings and corporate meetings and again concerts and and more. Uh, we have fine dining and restaurants. Some have uh, golf courses and bowling alleys and other entertainment amenities. So you put that all together and added up uh, with the, not only the employers, what we do for so many, the ripple effect to so many uh, businesses within Iowa with our $250 million that we annually purchase from Iowa-based companies for our products and services that we need, along with the charitable contributions that we talked about, and the taxes that go to so many visionary things, uh, all the regents' uh, uh, projects with our state universities, the uh, uh, clean air, clean water uh, initiatives, and, and several other things. We just uh, always have to tell our story about what this uh, what this uh, collectively is uh, for uh, benefiting what we feel is every citizen in the state in some uh, in some positive way. Wes Ericke is president of the Iowa Gaming Association, the trade group representing Iowa's commercial casinos. We spoke this past Monday morning. At this moment, the governor's order requiring the casinos to be closed runs through April 30th. Still to come, the 2020 growing season is about to get underway with new and unforeseen challenges. And Iowa's businesses are learning to adapt to a world with COVID-19. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Just when we thought things were looking up for Iowa's agribusiness industry, the global pandemic struck. And for a state like Iowa, which is so dependent on the ag economy to thrive, this is an important topic. I spoke earlier this month with Iowa Secretary of Agriculture and Land Stewardship, Mike Nag. For farmers, it's uh, the thing that's right in front of us is getting a crop in the ground here and hopefully the weather cooperates. And from a supply chain standpoint, making sure that there's no disruptions in the things that they need. And right now, again, we sit really, really well. I think one of our biggest concerns or threats to that whole supply chain movement is, you know, if we end up with increased absenteeism or if there's challenges around trucking, Uh, in any one of those phases of of the system, that could be a a problem. It could create issues. And so that's why we're really focused on understanding any potential disruptions and then what are the contingency plans around that. Bigger picture for this year for agriculture, it is all about the markets and uh, restoring profitability and uh, hopefully moving through this COVID-19 outbreak and, and getting things stood back up and being able to fully take advantage of those trade agreements that were put in place and, and continue to be that quality, consistent supplier to, uh, to the world. So I think that's our challenge. You know, we just need to take it a little bit day by day at this current time. But uh, if folks are smart, and do the right things. Uh, we'll get through this together sooner rather than later. 
we've really worked over the last couple of weeks to get folks that uh, had been reporting to the office building in Des Moines, the Wallace building, to get them set up to be able to work remotely. Now is not a time to, to sacrifice anything or to have any questions around a food safety standpoint. So I'm really proud of our management team and, and our employees. They're resilient folks. They're doing a great job, just like so many others. They're having to work in some less than ideal conditions, and, uh, and yet they're getting great work done. And I, I'm, just, I'm proud to lead a group like that. Up next, good businesses adapt to market forces. Great businesses adapt to those forces quickly. Examples in a moment. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, helping develop the next generation of business leaders through Leadership Iowa, Business Horizons, and Leadership Iowa University. To learn more, go to iowaabi.org. About a month ago on this program, we spoke with Mike Ralston, the president of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry, about the ABI quarterly member survey. Mike Ralston joins us again, and obviously that was at just the beginning of this era of COVID-19. We talked a bit about some of the things that your members were expressing at that early time. What's different now a month into the pandemic from an Iowa perspective? Boy, that's a great question, Jeff. And I think what's different uh, now from then, uh, you know, we were all pretty positive uh, the last time we talked. We were certainly positive about the state of manufacturing in Iowa and the prospects for a great year. But we were also relatively positive about dealing with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And I think uh, ABI members and business people in this state are positive by nature. But now it's clear, you know, we know how serious this is. And so it's really come home uh, as far as the precautions that people need to take, and they are taking them. By that, I mean uh, every business in this state, and whether they're an ABI member or not, and they should be if they aren't, but even if they, no matter who they are, they're sending people home to work from home if that's possible. They're isolating people as much as they can if they have to uh, stay uh, working. And of course, for a manufacturer, you've got to have somebody at that production station on that line to make it work. So For a lot of manufacturers, the good news is there is six feet between production stations. For those that can't, we've uh, heard of uh, some anecdotal evidence that manufacturers are erecting plexiglass shields or they're uh, rearranging shifts so that, again, they they make their employees as safe as possible. I guess that's the difference now we know and people are taking the precautions. In talking with some of these people who have created some of these companies or the people who now run these companies, the one constant, regardless if they are manufacturing slip rings in Waverly or some uh, mechanical item to help on the farm in Pella, it's the ingenuity, it is the open-mindedness to see a problem and conceive of a way to fix it. That is really what's unique that some of us just don't have. We just don't have that vision, and thank goodness so many others do. Boy, you're right. That's it. If we had to rely on people like me, we'd be in terrible shape, but we're very fortunate. It's amazing to me, people who sometimes don't understand it, uh, they say, well, they're just going to, you know, open up another box and make something else. You know, that's not what happens when you retool. It's a complicated process. You have to tear down manufacturing lines, tear down equipment. You have to get the right, you know, it's a complicated process. And these folks have done it. It's, It's pretty exciting. 
Those who have listened to this program over the past few months know that the Iowa Association of Business and Industry is a supporter of this radio program, and at the end of each radio program, we tell people that ABI is the presenter of the Taking Care of Business Conference, which will be June in Cedar Rapids, and you've had to make a tough decision this week on that front. Well, we did. Uh, Just uh, Wednesday of this week, we made the decision to, we as the ABI Executive Committee and Board of Directors, made the decision to cancel the conference. This would have been ABI's 117th annual convention. And uh, we're not aware, we tried to check, we're not aware of a time uh, the uh, convention or conference was canceled in past years. There's some thought that perhaps it had been in at least one of the years of World War II, but we can't document that this may well be the first time that's happened. And so it was very disappointing, but it was obviously the right call to make. There are a lot of folks who have gone virtual. There are a lot of folks who postponed. And there are a lot of folks who simply said, in essence, not to be flipped, but 2020 is going to be one of those do-over years. We're just going to skip it and and get past things. How many people typically attend the conference? How many presentations and sessions do you have? And, And I ask because people may think, well, they can just move it to a different date. Well, this takes a year of planning that starts the day after the last conference. It's not that easy for a big event like this to pivot as quickly as some of these manufacturers can, frankly. Well, you're, you're, you're right about that. We, we typically uh, plan for about two and a half years on each event. It starts with a site visit to a couple communities or two or three, and there aren't too many communities in Iowa that can hold us because we get, oh, between 750, we've had a thousand at the conference. It's a big event. And so we can't just go anywhere. We've made some significant uh, payments to uh, uh, venues to hold space, uh, convention halls, that sort of thing, to hold rooms. We'll sell out three hotels typically for our conference. We've reserved a lot of space, a lot of venues. Uh, we've made speaker payments. We typically have three keynote speakers. We would again this year. We had uh, a retired astronaut, Joan Higginbotham, who's fantastic. Tarika Barrett, who's the chief operating officer of Girls Who Code, was going to be a keynote speaker. And then Phil Jasper, who's the uh, president, chairman, and CEO of Collins Aerospace, was the third speaker. And so you're right. You don't just uh, do this willy-nilly. And some of that investment we may not be able to recoup. But we did look at those other options. We looked at postponing. We looked at a virtual event. And and for our event, they just don't work. And so uh, you're right. It may 2020 may be that do-over year for us, too. And this comes at a financial loss because, again, as someone who has put some of these things on at a smaller level, if you cancel before a certain date, you may get all of your payment back. The closer you get to the event, you owe the venue, you owe speakers. And so you really had to strike a balance, didn't you, between canceling too soon and regretting it, but then waiting too long and and being on the hook for money, as you note, you won't be able to recover. You're, you're exactly right. We, we made that calculation. We've uh, already passed some deadlines. Some other deadlines were coming up. And so we looked at this. If we were able to move the conference, would we be able to secure our speakers at a later date, say in September or October? Some yes, not all. Could we get the space? The verdict was still out on that. And, and so uh, it didn't make sense to postpone. Well, could we do something virtually that would allow us to at least use our speakers. Well, ultimately, the, the thing that drives our conference is the networking. Uh, we say every year, and we mean it, it's Iowa's best business networking event. And one of the key takeaways from it, we hear all the time, is that people value that. And if we couldn't provide that, it just didn't seem like it made sense. And so ultimately, 
the decision with the least unknowns, with the least uncertainty, was this decision to cancel. And so we're working with facilities. We'll definitely want to go back to Cedar Rapids very, very soon. A lot of energy, terrific city with so much going on. So we'll want to go back soon. And we're working with vendors now to see if we can't uh, work with them on new dates and maybe we can reduce our our out-of-pocket loss. What's the takeaway from this past, and I'll say four weeks, it seems like we've been going through this for so long, but it's really only been four to six weeks. For you looking at Iowa business and industry, manufacturers, uh, retail, all of these different components, what's the takeaway for you if you pull yourself out of the chair and look down at everything that's happened over the past month? I think the the takeaway is something you alluded to earlier, and that's the need for flexibility, for a focus on one's business plan and what's important to sustain the business and uh, take care of employees. All those things are things we all sort of take for granted, but they become pretty clear in this, uh, in this instance. I, re- I don't know. It seems like you're right. It seems like uh, forever, but it was only two weeks ago. I was sure we were going to be able to have this conference. And you know what? The order to uh, stay in groups of 10 or less may be lifted. Work at home orders may be lifted. But I wonder if, uh, you know, in June, people are really going to want to associate with 700 other people. You know, even if that is allowed, are people really going to want to take care of their business? And so uh, the need to focus on one's business and, and take care of one's employees and customers is really, it's just been, uh, it's, it really hits home again that that's the most important thing. Mike Ralston, president of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Our full conversation is posted as an IBR Extra podcast. And again, while the ABI 2020 convention has been canceled, plans are already being made for the 2021 event in Coralville, June 8th through the 10th. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. Next week, a profile of a new communications firm that opened its doors last month, just as businesses were forced to close theirs. That and more next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, including iHeart, Apple, and Google. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is presented with support from the Iowa Association of Business and Industry. Follow ABI on Twitter at IowaABI and online at iowaabi.org.